Hi, I'm Vivian, the host of What Happened After. And let's go ahead and consider this season three, because it's been a little bit since my last episode, because life and Rona and all the things that came with it. But I'm excited, and I want you to sink in to your comfiest place right now to listen to this conversation with Mike, the founder of Genesee, as he tells us a little more about his own story of loss, and also how he's trying his best to continue to live love out loud, and how that love manifests after grief. For him, it's been both an understanding with his own family, really sinking into those relationships, but also building out a company that has incredible parallels to how he's coping with grief. So listen in. I'm so excited to be in another episode of What Happened After, this time with Mike. We were introduced by a mutual friend um, who I hadn't talked to for a very long time and was so happy and really just pumped to hear about everything you're building out, Mike, your own story and how that's really inspired where you are right now. I don't want to give too much away, so I would love for you to actually introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a sneak peek of who you are and what you're building out. Thank you very much for having me, Vivian. I'm really excited about this. So my name is Mike McGregor, and I'm uh, the founder of Genesee Comfort. We make items for recovery and hospitalization that help bring a little bit of humanity into an institutional situation. So my background is that up until a year and a half ago, I was a commercial photographer working in the luxury and celebrity space. And then in the course of like half a day, my life completely changed. And I spent about three months in a hospital with my wife as she battled with a terminal uh, illness. And over that time realized how brutal and institutional everything that has to do with hospitalization, rehab, dealing with general recovery goes. Mm -hmm. And I realized that as the everything that I do was doing in my field of photography, where I was creating these systems to help sell luxury goods and to help make everything look beautiful could actually have a much larger context and bring it into a world where people are feeling a whole lot of pain. And so after this uh, ordeal for myself and my family, I decided to make a big switch and here we are. I mean, I think that the the timeliness of what you're building out, particularly as coronavirus has kind of hit town in a bunch of different ways, um, has really changed the conversation on what caregiving looks like and what that healthcare experience actually is. And I think it's opened so many people's eyes who maybe hadn't been privy to like what it's actually like to be in the hospital for a really long time. I've seen a bunch of pieces come out recently about what quote-unquote recovering from coronavirus actually looks like and how much of that isn't necessarily just going home right after right it's months in rehab so it's really interesting how you were able to see a gap in your own story right in your own wife's story and really fill it with something that would bring comfort in a time where there's so much that is uncertain yeah it's really weird being in a market where you hope nobody ever needs your product but (laughs) realistically everybody is going to and so when i started designing it it was the type of thing where i thought that yeah i mean maybe a couple of times in your life you're really going to need me and then Mm -hmm. we launched at the very very end of february and within like five days all of a sudden the whole world was in a point of realizing what long-term care and hospitalization and illness on like a systemic scale looks like 
And so, yeah, it w- I mean, I couldn't have been more timely in thinking about ways mm-hmm. to deal with problems that all of a sudden everybody was thinking about. How was that for you, right? Actually taking your own lived experience and turning it into something that was going to benefit others, but that also put you in the middle of your own lived experience daily, right? Because you, in some way, shape, or form, remember why you started. Um, I know that for me, like, it's always been a really big undertone of everything I do because I write so much about grief and I talk so much about mental health and all of it kind of comes connected back and it's this weird mix of sometimes forgetting why I started from like the perspective of just knowing that I'm doing it in the moment but also knowing that there's like this higher mission to it all. Yeah without a doubt it's a type of thing where if I was just doing photography on a day-to-day basis it probably wouldn't have the vivid memories that come back as I'm dealing with trying to think of how to design something so that if you roll to your right while the nurses are doing X, Y doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. I mean, like the technical things really bring me back to a place that was a hard place to be. But the other side to it is that my family, I have a 10 and a 13 year old child, and we're kind of building this company together, particularly now that we're all home together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's something that we get to talk and it's a way to remember and it's a way to kind of internalize what we always thought about their mother, my wife. Mm -hmm. And it has been a very therapeutic thing for us particularly to be able to have this and to be able to come back to her values and core and really ground ourselves in our values and try to think of what what it is I mean that if she got her life cut so tragically short mm-hmm. how we can go ahead and build that legacy that she was kind of working on herself what's that look like right in terms of those conversations or even taking the time to make space for that right now because I think so many people sometimes ask like what's that grieving process look like and what's the the whatever happens after someone pa- someone passes away and it's so high level in conversations i don't know if you've come across that too but so often people will say like you know take time heals all or there's so many cliche phrases and getting into the nitty-gritty of what that actually looks like for a family for someone who has lost a loved one is so specific and unique Yeah, it's so hard because everybody says, like, move on and that you have to find all these places, like, you have to be able to find a life for yourself. And I don't have any desire to move on. I don't need to, I, I don't need to bridge from where I was to where I'm going. It can be two separate things. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's an, it, I had an expression and an idea of what my life was there and it came to a hard stop. And it's almost like we're now in a point of building an entirely different novel that has some of the same characters, but doesn't necessarily, it's not like I'm trying to take the main character from one and replace it with a new main character and another. It's like it needs to, they need to stay on their own and they need to be celebrated and thought of as their own thing. And so particularly in building a company in the grief space, it has given us something, some way to remember. And it's been very therapeutic for us. It's so interesting. I feel like no one, when I talk to people in the grief space, no one actually wants, like, you don't go in trying to go into the grief space. You just happen to be in it once you have an idea that, that ends up filling that need. And and it's such an awesome space to be in, which sounds really strange to say. Um, but it is because I think that there's this 
innate understanding from someone who just gets what you've gone through from the starting point, right? Not necessarily from a day by day, because I think everyone's experience is so unique, but ultimately what brings a lot of people into the grief space or into any conversation that's really this like transformational is the fact that they have lost someone. And that is like the common denominator between my story, your story, and anyone who's listening. And as we navigate what it is to to grieve and you know not everyone has to start something from their grief um but i think that there is a a component of it whether public or private that does crave to bring energy and life out of an experience that can sometimes make us all feel so empty yeah without a doubt and it's like i said i mean i'm living it more than i would be otherwise Mm -hmm. and that's a tough thing and you have to make sure that you've got the the mental wherewithal to handle it because i know that i have friends that are kind of grieving at the same time i am it's funny how Mm -hmm. grief draws people together um you very quickly become better friends with people that are uh like-minded but it's the same Mm -hmm. thing regardless of what you're doing it's just right now my thing happens to be grief and so i find myself surrounded by more people who are thinking about it but the way that you can kind of start to process and that you can remember and that you can like continue a love is really what this is about and figuring out ways to have your love shine and the feelings that you felt and then to help other people express that same sort of thing is kind of the big arching goal i love that phrase continue the love it's honestly brought tears to my eyes just when you said it because it feel so on the nose of exactly what everyone is probably doing if they've lost someone, which is just how do I keep on living that love out loud even when it feels so hard? How have you navigated bringing the creative that you are but also were prior to losing your wife and kind of this new iteration of your creativity together? Has like photography helped in any way? Has the skill set helped in really giving you like a outlet for it more? Yeah, completely. I It's funny, I never really thought that I would be in fashion from a uh, producer's standpoint, mm-hmm. but I was always surrounded by it. And so I had a team of stylists and marketing directors and ad agencies and uh, like all the people required to build things to sell other people's brands. I already had a full team of people working on really, really high levels. And so when I got this idea, it wasn't a big stretch to be able to say, uh, hey, Yinseng, I know that you're currently... uh, trying to launch Revlon's new digital initiative, but you knew and loved Jolene and I've got this and I know that you've currently dealt with some loss in your own immediate circle. What do you think about trying to build something that really speaks to everybody else's thing? And all of a sudden working for Revlon is a little bit, I mean, everybody has to do what they have to do, but Mm -hmm. it's easy to coerce people that really are working on levels where you could never afford it for Mm -hmm. a startup to come and lend a hand. 
And so, I mean, I'm able to pluck people from film sets and from big corporate level jobs and uh, have them put their heart and soul in for little periods of time in order to get me to where I'm going. And then once this thing has matured a little bit, mm -hmm. then we'll be able to like hire people and build out teams and everything. But right now, when you start with something that's so personal and is so like unique to me but not unique at all like right. i said i mean i hope you don't ever need my product but everybody's going to mm -hmm. and so when you have that sort of universal connection it's easy to have people apply it to their own situations and want to help was that a hard transition for you to go from knowing that this was your crew like the photography as a whole creativity was your was your thing to seeing my thing now is to like you said earlier, kind of continue this love and figure out how to do that in a way that tangibly touches other people as well. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, going straight into something that you've never done mid-career. I mean, it's this is like a very big life shift. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things where you very rarely... I, I mean, in the course of my life thus far, I can think of two or three times where I've really seen a, a option where I could have made a drastic shift in my life. And I hadn't ever taken it up until this point. But mm -hmm. I was sitting like once all the bills were done and the insurance was dealt with and the paperwork and the like everything was once things had quieted down a little bit i had to assess what i wanted to do with the next decade of my life with the next i mean however long this ship should run i am here to run it and mm -hmm. i had to decide and this is something that i think i can actually make tangible differences to I mean if things go right millions of people's lives and that's something that you just don't get the opportunity to do very often and so you had mm -hmm. to jump even in that description I one see a lot of my own story in that and I think probably a lot of people will it's just that scary moment of realizing like you can't keep living how you had before because something feels different and there's like this innate push to just create something that looks different was there anything that helped motivate you and make that jump? The big thing that made me want to do it was having spent three months in a hospital room searching mm -hmm. for something that feels that felt so obvious to me that there was nothing. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that I could get that would help provide comfort for the person that I love the most in the entire world at the most uh, fragile point in their existence. And that just seemed wrong. And having, and then looking at what it would take to fix it and having the vision of what I wanted and knowing that I mm -hmm. had the building blocks, they just had to be completely rearranged in order to make it happen. It was like, you know what, this is something that I can do. And I just jumped. I think it's easier when you've had such a massive life change to mm -hmm. all of a sudden be like, you know what, I've already, I'm, I've survived this thus far. And <laughs> the world, my world isn't going to end. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got 
the ability to fail. And if I fail, the people that I love are still going to be there. And then I've also learned that the people that I love aren't necessarily always going to be there. And so you need to make the most of right now. And so this was an opportunity to both recognize that my family was going to be there if it didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And that if they're not there, I still want to be able to provide in their time of need and in other people's people's mm-hmm. time of need. I mean, it's really about supporting that, like the most crucial point. And so that's where I was and I made the jump. How's it been since you jumped? Like what has building Genesee actually looked like? How are you, how are you taking it to that next level that you want to take it to? So I spent a lot of time Well, not a lot of time. I mean, I only started this a year ago, but (laughs) I spent time really developing a business plan and figuring out how I could do this on a scale that would actually affect the kind of people that I wanted to affect. And so getting the idea of where I, how I wanted to be able to scale and what required to get a business to that point was a big part of it. And I'm blessed to have like a mother that is in charge of nurturing small businesses. She's in Minnesota and is hired by the University of Minnesota to help small businesses uh, navigate uh, those lives. And then also the connections that I've had through photography, where I've done some work on small brands that became DoubleClick, which then was bought by Google. Or I've done work on some other small, like I started with state bags back when they were two people and now they've got 15 people. And I mean that, yeah, like everybody wants a state bag. Um, And so you've seen what kind of things are required to build, uh, build out. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what I spent those early uh, time, those early days figuring out. And then once I did all the uh, planning, I kind of saw that it could happen. And so then had to jump into production. And production is a beast, man. De- dealing with it's funny. It's like everything. I started to talk to friends who actually are in fashion design mm-hmm. and in production, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this should take six months." And I'm like, "But there's only four days of work here." And like <laughs> seven months later, I'm finally getting to the point where I've got something on my back. It's like every bit of it requires learning an entire new industry and requires fifteen other people that you're not you're one of another. 20, p- uh, 20 other projects that they're working on and figuring out how to balance all these things and deal with imports and deal with uh, the back end of all of the stuff that we're doing. I'm really, uh, sustainability is a big part of what we're creating and trying to find, source your goods from the point where they were in the ground until the point where they're on somebody's back has proven to be a huge, like a monster of a task, to try to get your uh, mind around. And so there's been so many different things that are huge learning curves, but you just take it and do what you can do and have the best people that you can possibly have to pick up all the slack because there's a whole lot of stuff that I couldn't have done on my own. How's the coronavirus affecting like production time and any everything and anything when it comes to actually getting this out to market in a way that is impactful? Yeah, it, coronavirus has been a big deal because it. I did my first round of production in the garment district in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and we finished in 
like late February, I got my first 300 units. And then a week later, a week and a half later, it shut down and it's still not open. And so, yeah, it's, and that's like an entire industry is that way. I mean, when Mm -hmm. you, when I went into the factory, it was people elbow to elbow to elbow working in a tiny room. And like, you couldn't possibly have a situation that was more ripe for spreading Corona to Mm -hmm. a whole lot of people. And so they rightfully did shut it down. And one thing I'll say is that my production manager, Erica Mays, has done a lot of work around the world. And we very early got in and discussed what we saw coming mm-hmm. and re- and kind of foresaw that this was going to happen. And that because this whole thing started in China, they were way ahead of the curve. And we'd already started to think about how to outsource and find the kind of ethics in factories that we wanted while uh, going to someplace that could produce things at a more uh, more economic scale. And so we very quickly went from talking to Vietnam and Sri Lanka and a bunch of other places to uh, focusing in on Chinese firms that met our ethical demands. And so by March, we had decided that... Uh, that China was going to be the place where we were going to manufacture. And then by May, we'd started to get samples. And I've uh, first sent out a PO and have my first 1,500 units from a factory in Shenzhen that's going to be coming in in about a month and a half. That's incredibly wild and amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, trying to figure out how to wire money to China. And how, I mean, <laughs> like all my conference calls now are either at nine o'clock at night or 4.30 in the morning. And so. Oh, my gosh. And I think that that's like, you know, when people talk about starting something, when they talk about bringing an idea to life, whether inspired by their own personal experience or just their creativity, it can sometimes feel like it is this huge, huge thing that has to be achieved in a second. Um, And it doesn't have like the little day-by-day wins that it actually does have. And I think especially when we talk about something that's inspired by one of our losses or by life's chapters, like beginning and ends, it it, more than anything is something that sometimes takes time to actually process to on like a personal level, really come to terms with and figure out how you're going to navigate it. And then on a technical level, how to actually bring that idea to market and what all the different steps that compose that. Yeah, without a doubt. And learning to take personal credit for smaller steps is also important. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I'll be working for a day and get to the end of the day and be like, man, all I got done was approved and got a hang tag set up. But that in itself is a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. designing and dealing with production and cardstock and like everything else that goes into getting that one item made could, uh, if you're working for Ann Taylor, they've probably got a team of five people that do just mm-hmm. that. And so you need to recognize that when you're running a tiny ship, that all of these things, and there's just piles and piles and piles of stuff that needs to happen. Each one of those things is a victory and you need to be able to take credit. I mean, you can't breathe because then there's another 50 victories that have to happen this week, (laughs) but you do have to keep in mind that those things are victories. And so learning that was a hard, a hard thing for me. It was so frustrating seeing weeks and months go by and, and trusting that things were actually moving in the right direction. 
Do you find that it's very similar to how you, your own grief experience, like really celebrating those small wins and those, like those days that get slightly more, I don't even know if better is the word, but just less, less crying, less emotional as the days go by. Cause I feel like when you're knee deep in a loss, um, especially those first few years, it can be so hard to envision a day when it doesn't feel as heavy and as hard but i realize like those small wins are the things that get you through to the next one yeah those small wins are but the other side of that i'll say is that you do hit some really big frustrations Mm -hmm. and like screaming at the end of a call also reminds me that screaming as i'm on a walk because i just had an emotion run over me is just part of the cycle of life and it makes me realize that when I'm on that walk that it isn't isn't something that I need to necessarily be worried about and it allows me to realize that it's part of the system and I found that taking all the emotions that go into building a company and running it parallel with everything that has gone along with processing loss has been a very important parallel to understand. You said something really interesting that when you have those moments, it's this realization of needing of kind of realizing that you you don't have to worry about have about feeling that thing or about the way that the emotion is sitting with you. Can you like talk a little bit more about what you mean with that? Yeah, it when I first started, particularly if you've got kids and you're thinking about how you need to be this pillar of. Uh, this pillar so that everybody is going to be able to survive and make it through, you kind of get this idea of just trying to move everything forward and that anything that doesn't fit in that, at least this is how, what it Mm -hmm. was like for me. um, It felt like everything that wasn't accomplishing the next step of getting life running again and giving a, something for everybody to be doing was not wasn't needed and was superfluous and I I couldn't justify it and that took about three weeks before everything just crushed inside and I couldn't I couldn't justify everything and just had to Mm -hmm. take a week off to sit and process and realize that everything else that was happening was actually something that I needed Mm-hmm. Um, and talking with my therapist and the kids talking to their therapist and talking with all the other friends that have, well, not all the other, because I'm fairly young. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have that big of a group of people that have dealt with loss on this mm-hmm. level. Um, but still being able to process those feelings as important was really a cathartic experience for me and so when I stopped when I realized that everything that I was feeling had a purpose even if I didn't know what it was and that I could just validate the fact that feelings are things that need to be that need to be acknowledged it changed the way that I functioned and it changed the way that I tried to barrel through things and then it's the same thing with the company when you're barreling through you don't necessarily get the kind of results the kind of nuance the kind of understanding in getting to a greater good and trying to create 
something. And I know that for my family, what I desire is not just blanket happiness. What I desire is contentment and knowing that who you are as a human is a full realized functioning thing. And so just taking the time to cry and shout and just live everything that was going through was a hard it's still a hard thing. I mean, there's still when there's a zillion things that have to happen and you have to cook and we're in quarantine for the third mm-hmm. month and my kids can't go outside and all of this. It's There's so many things and you still need to just be able to recognize that when emotions hit that you don't need to understand, but you do need to validate and you need to you need to be able to feel them fully. Um, and that sort of fullness and that sort of taking the time to see what it is might that you might be feeling is, I think, a really important part of how I want to continue living. I was going to ask, you know, one of the things you mentioned there was just that what you want for your family isn't blanket happiness. It's a level of contentment and understanding that the people that they're becoming are kind of full, whole individuals. And... I remember when I was growing up, especially like after losing my mom and my grandma, I would get a lot of, I just wish that you had a year where you didn't have something hard happen. And I was like, I wish I had a year when I learned that or where I keep learning that I can be happy even if hard things happen and that that is a truth and a fact. How are you living that in in your life? Right? Because it seems like that's very parallel to exactly what you're saying for your family. But how are you trying to get there for you as well? How I'm trying to live a full life is by taking enough time and giving myself enough space to feel feelings. And so making sure that I am not just manically pacing things one Mm -hmm. after the other and trying to find the bigger picture things that mean the most to each of the individual little parts of my life and concentrating on those and then letting the other little things kind of work themselves out. But by concentrating on those big things and giving yourself enough space to feel, I found that all the little like the little crap that can go and Mm -hmm. just fill and consume a day kind of washes away a little bit. And if you can take time to feel these bigger picture feelings and to accomplish these bigger picture goals or not even accomplish the goals, but try to figure out what it is that you want and why you want it. And then how you get there, Mm -hmm. um, giving yourself space to be able to find those big picture things has been the biggest way that I found to try to get to that space. And so realizing that just smiling isn't what I want, but that Mm -hmm. feeling like deep love and that knowing that you've got the space to be able to take the time to realize that if that anger is important, that you can have space for that anger and be able to have enough time to be able to go for a walk and take a breath and see what, how nature feels in these feelings and how just give yourself a little bit of time to process. And that ability to take time isn't necessarily huge blocks, 
but even if it's 60 seconds of just closing everything off and just letting your mind think has really been a lot of what I needed to get to the point where I could start to process. Did that answer it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My quiet is more because I, I actually don't know what else to ask. I think you just answered everything that I would have possibly been thinking about. And I think that this conversation has been a really amazing parallel between building a company, but also figuring out how to live life again after you kind of, after you end up meeting mortality kind of head on and what that actually looks like versus what everyone has always, um, symbolically places it as right I think it's such a different experience to see someone you love in a hospital and to see someone you love pass away and it isn't as easy as those like few words on a piece of paper and it isn't as easy as just the high level idea of it it's gut-wrenching and it's annihilating and it and it takes so much from you that you don't ever think that you're going to be able to give anyone anything again and so the the mere fact of how you're living your life is a really amazing testament, I think, to the the complexity of life, right? And the ability to take something and create something else from it, but also to give yourself the space to even figure out what that should be. Yeah, completely. Absolutely. And then if you can, and I know that not everybody's going to be able to have the resources and the time and the, I mean, everything, I, I'm, I have so many blessings that lined up in order to be able to make something like this work and I don't discount that at all I mean being a middle-class white guy in a family that supports me and every I mean everything else that I have in my life that allowed me to start a company is something that I don't at all take for granted Mm -hmm. but I'm also trying to live that opportunity to its fullest and try to figure out how it is that I can keep moving myself forward in parallel with offering opportunities for other people to help them. So that's the goal. And it's more than the goal. It's the action. It's the thing that you're living day by day and slowly building out. And I think that the, you know, I, I, my grandma was 85 years old when she started getting really sick and having seizures and going in and out of ICU I was 21, um, and I was her primary caretaker. And when she wouldn't be in ICU, she would be at home. And we had, like, one of the hospital beds that was provided by the hospital. And we had diapers, and we had all of these different things that were meant to come and live in our house, right, and and take up space and take up energy, um, but that also weren't conducive to actual quality of life right we talk so much about quality of life at the end of someone's life and they just weren't quality of life things like I would have to tend to the fact that my grandmother would get rashes right because of diapers because of laying down all the time because of not being able to be active and something like what you're building out could have been the difference maker in comfort even if it wasn't a difference maker in all the other factors that felt so overwhelming at that moment but something so seemingly small to someone who maybe hasn't lived through that moment is the one thing that you wish you can give someone in that moment which is just a little bit more comfort however it may arrive whatever the packaging may look like and so I think that what you're building out is amazing and it's really going to help people who are 
having especially right now to learn what caregiving is and to learn how to be cared for i want to thank you for jumping on this conversation and teaching us so much about just your own journey and i think life in general thank you very much vivian it's been a pleasure to be here and yeah i think that there is a lot of parallels between everything that you're building with keeping the people that are dealing with grief in a sphere where they've got support and where I'm trying to do with trying to have support people that are in the stages of uh, that those either last stages or in stages of recuperation. But yeah, it's that finding a community and being able to support people. And it's really amazing to be able to be around people that are uh, having that as their goal. So thank you for having me. Of course. Where can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. And so my website is janessicomfort.com. That's J-A-N-E-S-I comfort.com. And both uh, Facebook and social is janessi.comfort. Didn't that conversation feel so good? Honestly, every little bit of it was just exactly what I needed to hear when we had it. And then listening back to it was even more so true. Grief is hard. Building a company is hard. They're hard in different ways, but especially when they overlap, there's something healing about the process of giving yourself permission to feel the feelings and to live through it. I know it's always easier said than done, but here's to hoping that the way that you end up manifesting it in your life, regardless of what you're coping through, that it really brings a lot of joy into it. Go ahead and share this episode with someone you feel needs it, like subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review on apple Podcasts. it helps other people find it too i'll be back next tuesday i promise with another episode and i have a couple really awesome episodes lined up for the next few weeks that i think will help feed your soul and just inspire you to take your next steps and to realize that exactly where you are is where you need to be to build the life you want